0: This is The Antidote on 92.7 FM. This is The Antidote with Dave Hawkins. Our opening song, Knives to the Future, is the title track from Project 86's new album that released just yesterday. The Antidote's previous feature on this band was probably one of the most popular episodes we've ever aired. And for those who missed that program, you get another chance to find out why Project 86 is so incredible. Andrew Schwab, vocalist for P86, and an absolutely brilliant lyricist, joins us for a really interesting look into the music he's created for Knives to the Future. And you're also going to find out why Remembrance Day was such a perfect date to release this album. Listen into our talk. Andrew Schwab of Project 86 is here with us tonight. Andrew, it's a real treat having you visit The Antidote.
1: Well, thanks for having me back, Dave.
0: I gotta be straight up with you right off I'm a huge fan of Project 86, so if I start getting too carried away about your music, it's going to be up to you to stop me.
1: (laughs) I don't know if there's a way to get too carried away.
0: (laughs) P86 has had a number of band member changes over the years, but realistically, how much of the music comes straight from you versus input from the rest of the band members?
1: Well, that's a really good question. Uh, Our original lineup was for our first couple of records, but what people don 't realize is that we started having lineup changes uh, in quotes uh, as early as our our third record, with um, just guys touring less and less and less, and that 's really um, kind of the story of the band in the early to mid era of our history uh, in terms of internally you know the original guys were together for the first you know three records but but thereafter as a touring entity and even in the context of recording. Roles started shifting and evolving. Um, The band started with me. Um, I started it. I went out and kind of handpicked a group of guys to play with. And since then, a few guys have come and gone. You know, but the kind of the, I guess, the stable factor of the band, or however you would want to put it, you know, the person who's sort of you know leading the charge has always been me. Um, From a musical standpoint, um, it's been a different story on every record, to tell you the truth. I've always sort of in a big picture sense driven the um, the overall sonic sound of each record if that makes sense and obviously the lyrics uh, from a songwriting standpoint you know written a good chunk of the music at least um, but the last couple of records uh, more of the responsibility of the musical side of things has fallen on my shoulders as well so it's not one formula for every record, if that makes sense. Uh, if someone's got a lot of really cool ideas, you know, and who's in the mix of the writing process, then, you know, we'll start running with those ideas. I just want to put out the best record possible. So, you know, for example, uh, on the most recent record, you know, a lot of the, the songwriting fell on my shoulders because I had a vision for what I wanted it to sound like, you know. And there's been other records where, you know it's been a little bit more spontaneous where it's like you know let's try some different things and see where it goes i think for this record there was a very cohesive record and i'm speaking about knives to the future the record that's just about to release there's a very cohesive idea about what this album was supposed to be sonically musically thematically before it was even written that's different than what we've done in the past like i said every record is its own unique thing but you know knives to the future is definitely sort of conceived in my brain right off the bat and we sort of wrote songs around you know the lyrics and the vocal ideas which was a new thing in and of itself as well
0: really does have a, an overall theme. You know, it's got a military theme.
1: Are you speaking about Wait for the Siren or are you speaking about Nights nice of the Future?
0: Well, I guess really the two of them because they're almost twinned albums. I mean, somewhat different personas for each, but they each carry that military theme.
1: Yeah, that's totally true. And this album, well, let me back up a little bit. Wait for the Siren was written like you said, it, there's definitely a lot of military themes on there. It's meant to capture the motivation and the emotions like when you're about to go into a battle whether that's like, you know, literal or spiritual or, you know, in just your day-to-day life and I had a lot of fun working on that record because it, it was just strengthening uh, resolve and going to new sort of challenging and creative places for me and songwriting and just trying new things musically and with instrumentation. So there were a lot of really hard fought victories um, looking back on that process. But I'm, re- I'm really proud of the outcome. And this album exists in the space after the battle. So I wanted to take it a little bit further this time around and really kind of tell a story with it, not in your like traditional rush uh, concept record kind of way. But when you read the lyrics and you pick up the artwork for this record, you'll see a very linear path to this record you know, it's about rediscovering who you are after forgetting, basically. And it's a it's a record, you know, I put it in terms of the first person on the record, basically, you know, uh, this soldier emerges from battle and uh, he's kind of on this newly still battlefield and there's still smoke in the air and there's snow all around him and there's the bodies of his brothers are all, all around him and he, he doesn't remember how he got there or what happened. Um, and he looks up ahead of him and he sees a mountain with a light, uh, but it's an eclipse. And he doesn't really remember even who he is, so he just knows in his sort of subconscious mind that he needs to run towards that light and answers will come. And so the album is about remembering, remembering who you are, and you know, each song it, for me is a personal journey through my history and just recalling you know, certain things from my past. and foundational experiences that shaped me um, as a springboard to moving forward into the future.
0: nice to the future are you considering it simply a themed recording or is it a concept album or i guess is there a difference between the two
1: I uh, i don't know i that uh term just has a lot of negative connotations um <laughs> or is this just semantics well yeah it's semantics but i think the perception is you know prog rock and you know <laughs> bands that we don't necessarily sound like i mean For the average listener, they will be able to tap into some very specific themes and um, ideas that sort of run throughout this record, and there is a very linear path to the artwork as well as the the lyrical development throughout the record. So if that makes it a quote-unquote concept record, so be it. (laughs) Something I've always
0: enjoyed about Project 86, I mean, your lyrics aren't that obvious, you typically get into a metaphorical type of lyrical content on the albums. So that also applying to knives to the future.
1: I would say so, but there are some more literal um, songs on the record. I tend to write uh, from an emotional place. You know, when, when I'm constructing the lyrics of the song, I'll just make notes about how I'm feeling or maybe just let it even stream of consciousness just come out and then I'll go back and revisit it. And, Sometimes I'll even shock myself and say, wow, did I really say that? (laughs) And then from there, I assemble the song, um, usually. But again, on this album, it it was very very clear in my brain what I wanted the whole album as a whole to be, and what I pretty much wanted each song to be. Like I had a theme for each song lyrically before I wrote a note of music, before we wrote a note of music. So it's not all abstract or creative or poetic. A lot of it is a little more straightforward. There's a there's a song on the album called Acolyte March, for example, that is, I just tried to put myself emotionally in the shoes of the Jews in Joshua 6, uh, the, you know, when they took the city of Jericho. And uh, I'm really happy with how that song came out. I think it's a really unique take on that sort of classic story. And um, I mean, that's one example of a little bit more straightforward song. Um, as far as thematically but i still wrote from like an emotional place rather than just documenting a story if that makes sense
0: Bit earlier about some of the musical changes. Did you find when you went independent that you had a lot more freedom to do what you really wanted to do?
1: Well, I think for our band, we never, with the exception of probably one album where, you know, we were being funded by a major label who was spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on us and they wanted radio hits. So there was pressure, you know, to create certain types of songs. I think, in general, though, one of the things that I've tried to stay true to is just making music that I myself like, and if I'm passionate about it, then I feel like other people will be as well um, so there's never been like creative constraints um placed on our band from outside forces for the most part. but I will say this when you're funding your own project, you're on your own schedule, and so you know I can't tell you how many times doing a record for a label we weren't able to execute something to the extent that I would have liked to just because of whatever the budget or schedule uh, or the release situation you know the the calendar as far as you know other releases on on the label etc all that stuff comes into play because making a good record usually takes a fair amount of time you need to put in that extra effort to revise songs to get them from being good to being great and no that's not every song but In my experience, that happens on every record. It gets down to it, and you need that one extra push. And that's something, when you're in control of the process, happens, because you can make it happen.
0: But do you not find that also difficult, too? Because, of course, you're not having as much outside influence, so you have to analyze your own music to the nth degree.
1: Well, that's never the job, shouldn't be the job of the label. I mean, traditionally, A&R does speak into that process in the major label sense, but in the independent world, there, there really isn't a lot of that. Um, it's, it's more of the job of the songwriters and the producer to craft the material itself. So, so as long as we're working with, you know, producer, engineer who, you know, can be additive to the process of making our songs better, then we can still be in control of that. What's up? This is Andrew from Project 86. You're listening to The Antidote on Trent Radio.
0: to the Future is different from Wait for the Sirens, which included quite a bit of Irish instrumentation. What do you use, like Illing and Pipes and Mandolin and things mm-hmm. of that sort? But talk to us a little bit about Knives to the Future and some of the instrumentation found on it.
1: Well, I was listening to a lot of soundtrack music, film scores, or classical material, uh, believe it or not, as I was putting together the initial thoughts on this record and One of the things that we had never done that I wanted to do, that I thought would create uh, just another dynamic, I guess, or an emotional texture is live strings, real strings. Mm -hmm. So there's cello and violin in a few moments on the record. And uh, we didn't overdo it. I mean, we just used it you know, to set moods here and there, and to kind of, again, take you to a little bit different emotional place than other project records. It's funny, though. I mean, there's been a lot of rock bands that use strings but the trend the last however many years has been to use fake strings because the plugins and Pro Tools are, have gotten at least good enough to where you can pull off fake strings and not have them sound horrible. Right. Like they're in GarageBand or something like that. But I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to use fake strings. I want to real strings. So that was an interesting element that came about just as a result of the music that I was listening to um, writing the record. Well, something
0: with a new album. I'm almost curious as to how a band chooses a single. Why was it that you chose Pale Rider?
1: Well, it was interesting. Uh, This album, there's a lot of heavier tracks. And I think when it comes to a rock radio kind of format, it's important to choose a song that's going to get added on stations. Um, Because if if you go too heavy then you'll end up just on the metal show, you know what I mean, (laughs) at midnight on Sunday night. So a lot of the stations that got behind. The last record, you know, spun Fall Goliath Fall, for example, which is a pretty middle of the road track. The vocals are aggressive, but not too aggressive. You know, the music is rocking, but not insanely heavy. So Pell Rider seemed to fit, at least from a heaviness standpoint, that mold. Now it's a totally different sounding song, I think than anything we've ever done, especially when it when it comes to the chorus. Um, I I just love that chorus. It's one of my favorite choruses on the album, and I think anyone can relate to the lyric as well as sing along to that. And we had just a gigantic gang of people singing that line, and that combined with that, you know, strange keyboard. I just I just felt like it was a unique sounding song and would be a, a way to grab people's attention. when they hear, it. they wouldn't say, "Oh, just another project song," you know. Not that they would, but what a, I always like to try to when they we're introducing people to a new record, you know, push the envelope a little bit and say, "Oh, okay, this is different."
0: Speaking about being pushed into the metal realm is that not a fine line that you end up walking between hard rock and metal because it's easy to flip one way or the other
1: i don't think for our band because uh when we originally started out metal was like new metal so it was like rob zombie and yeah corn and all of those bands and i think we were on the fringes of that between rock and new metal um i'd like to think that our music was a little less knuckle heady than a lot of that stuff (laughs) you know but
0: it's a little more cerebral
1: a little bit i mean it's aggressive but not dumb and i think once that sort of went away and wasn't cool anymore i think the thing that replaced that was metalcore and screamo and we we didn't sound anything like that stuff so as far as metal goes in the current context, we really haven't been compared to anything metal for a really long time. People usually just associate us as being like a, a rock band.
0: My favorite track from Project 86 has always been Sincerely Echobod. But mm-hmm. I've switched on this album to Oculus because I don't think I've ever heard a better closing track. I mean oh, really, thanks, ma'am. that's incredible both lyrically and musically. But what about giving us your thoughts on the song?
1: Well, that song's it's pretty visual uh, in terms of lyrical content. Musically speaking, it just kind of builds and builds and builds and builds and builds for six or seven minutes. Um, I, I just I wanted to do something that was our band, but that sounded like something that could be out of a film score. So you know, the culmination lyrically of this record is you know this guy's been searching through memories and climbing this mountain to get to the top and discover what the truth is about who he is and about where he's going and where he's been. And the real underlying question is, okay, he found himself on this battlefield and was kind of this haunted feeling all around him where, like, souls were leaving bodies and things like that and everybody's dead all around him. And the question is in the back of his mind, beyond who am I, is am I alive or am I dead? And so he gets to, you know, the top of the mountain and he finally you know, sees this light that he's been, you know, fighting to get to throughout the record. And he finally realizes the whole time, throughout the whole journey, um, he was gone. He had passed away. And this was just his transition to the next place. And all of those memories were just his, his life coming flooding back to him. And he was free to kind of let go of it and kind of just become one with the light. So that's kind of what the song is about. And I feel like it builds in a really nice way to complement what's going on with the lyrics and sort of the culmination of the story of the record.
0: You can always imagine that as some dramatic climax to some tremendous film. One that's quite a break from Project 86's traditional sound. Oculus, Knives to the Future. Knives to the Future releases November 11th, which is Remembrance Day here in Canada and Veterans Day in the U.S. Were you wanting to make a statement by using that as the release date?
1: That is a complete and total coincidence, and I think it's really cool.
0: And it is cool.
1: Because it totally, completely ties into what this album is, you know, thematically.
0: But of course, you're looking at the album also from the spiritual aspect, obviously. But also, if somebody's just reading it straight out, just as a post-war situation. But would you say that you're pushing a pacifist stance towards war or conflicts? Or am I, could I read that wrong?
1: No, uh, definitely not Uh I'm not really taking a stand on that issue either way because I'm looking at it all as a metaphor. The 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 message of Wait for the Siren is you know any battle that is worth fighting you know is worth fighting, you know and this one is confirming of that you know you you lose your life for something worthwhile and that makes your life something that was worth living Mm -hmm. and that's kind of the message of this album. So you know I think it's one of the questions you know the character has or that I would have. And I have had, you know, we're talking about Project 86 here too, right? So I've been playing in this band for 18 years, and anyone who does anything for 18 years has to look back and say, at certain points, has this been worth it? Is this what I was supposed to be doing? Am I supposed to be doing something else? Who am I within this? Was this worth it? And the answer, you know, at the end of Ninth of the Future is yes. I died for this thing. I gave my everything for this thing and it was worth it.
0: Andrew, I also understand that you've got another side project in the works.
1: Yeah, the the band is called London Six Echo, and uh, it's basically an electronic influenced um, project, a little bit more melodic than the things that I've done with uh, Project 86. I have a a three-song single I'm releasing uh, just after Knives of the Future drops in November, and um, I say electronic uh, for lack of a better term, just because it's not necessarily based around real drum sounds. Um, I've always been a fan of programmed drums and uh, keys and samples as the driving force of the music rather than analog instrumentation and guitars. So this is a project I've been working on for a couple of years, and I've got some songs that I'm I'm really proud of. And from a thematic standpoint, this is a project that is meant to take you somewhere a little bit more imaginary. Uh, I'm definitely trying to craft uh, worlds with these songs and really take the idea of pictures and uh, explore a little bit further within the context. Also, some of my um, literary influences, I've traditionally always read a lot of uh, dystopian material. Uh, My favorite book ever (laughs) is Brave New World. With this, I would say it's, I guess, sci-fi-leaning um, in terms of some of the imagery. So I'm interested and curious and, uh, I guess, intrigued to see how project fans uh, relate to this music, because it's, it's a little bit different. You know, there's no yelling or anything like that. It's all singing and electronic-type beats, But I, I'm really happy with what I've been to accompl- been able to accomplish with it so far. And uh, just yeah. If you're listening, keep an eye open for that. London Six Echo.
0: covered why I'm such a huge fan of Project 86. That was Son of Flame from the new album, Knives to the Future, which you can pick up at the band's website, project86.com, iTunes, and probably everywhere else you could imagine. On our next episode, The Antidote visits with the hardcore band Gideon, whose music really exploded onto the scene back in 2010. Daniel McCartney of Gideon and I met in Buffalo a couple of weeks back to talk about the band and their new album, *Callist*. But for now, we're going to head back to Project 86 and a bonus track found on the album, Firefly Without a Night, which was released to backers of the album. And we'll see you again next Wednesday at 9. Andrew, you're known as a great lyricist and songwriter, but you've also spent time as a journalist and an author you wrote a number of books. I remember reading It's All Downhill from Here, which is just a hilarious, well, I guess, and serious look at life on the road with your band. But you also wrote Tin Soldiers and Fame is Infamy. So do you think that writing could ever replace being in Project 86?
1: I think about this all the time. As far as, you know, my creative endeavors, um, you know, I think they'll just continue to evolve. And, you know, I've never put like a finite... You know, end date on this band because I've always left it sort of in the hands of the fans, you know, through buying records and coming to shows, etc um, I think writing is such a different hat, it's such a different medium. You know, I tell people this all the time. It's, you know, you can do different things when you're writing even a blog or an article and say different things that affect culture in a different way than writing a song. You know, I think music in some ways is a more powerful medium, but it's also a less direct medium. And that's what I enjoy about writing books. I can use as many words as I want to infletch the topic at hand. you can't do that in a song. You're confined by the length of the song, you know, and you have to keep it basically pretty succinct. But, uh, you know, I I don't know what the future holds. I mean, Knives to the Future, conceptually for me, on a personal standpoint, is just I want to be ready for whatever comes next and greet it with with open arms, um, but also... If it's a battle or if it's something that I need to confront, then I want to do that as well. I want to do whatever is necessary to move to the next place of where I'm supposed to go for the sake of my destiny as a person and as an artist in the context of this band and as a Christian. Andrew, it's been really
0: great having you on The Antidote
1: and best
0: of success with Knives to the Future.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Dave. Pleasure was all mine.
2: So ready for the change I've imagined this moment so many times Never thought I'd go out this way And now I wanna say Will you remember me when I'm gone? Into the unknown I try Cloud of nights Into the unknown I drive Your promises will be my